doesn't take that long to connect with somebody just for a few minutes. You can in a small way solve the two biggest problems in their life. Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue. And this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm. All while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington and welcome to Bullish. Boom, people, welcome back to the show. Today, I wanna to talk about uh, actually an experience I had last night. This is pretty interesting story, and I promise there's some lessons that we'll derive from this, but I actually had the opportunity to meet with and actually discuss and talk with brand new called student body officers of a, a local high school. So these are all high school kids I went and met with last night, and I, I got up there and we talked for a little bit about leadership and servant leadership and how they can affect change throughout an entire high school and get people, you know, at pep rallies and like with school spirit, just this whole thing. We talked about this whole concept of how to build an incredible team and building people across the board, especially when you're in high school. Now to give you a little context, I was actually student by president of my high school. I went to a relatively large high school um, and we had, you know, a lot of cool stuff. Anyways, I was student by president. I was actually, um, uh, captain of the lacrosse team and captain of the football team. And so I actually was able to relate with these kids as well. A lot of the kids that showed up, they were on the football team or on the swim team or on the basketball team. And they're doing a lot of stuff and they're very busy. And yet they're also the student body officers here. And so we sat down and I started to explain and, or I actually started to ask them questions. We sat down with these kids and they're all sharp, amazing kids. And I said, what are your guys' goals for this year? Like, what are you doing? And this is the summer, right? We're leading into the, the fall as they're about to start. And uh, they started to tell me about some of their goals and, and the, it kind of drove down to their main goal is they wanted to have a school that was on fire, that was amazing, that kids would, would come and show up to pep rallies and be like, just have tons of school spirit, just instill this incredible spirit into their school. And uh, I said, okay, I'm like, we had a similar goal when I was, you know, in your same shoes. And I'm like, that's awesome. Let's talk about it. And I would kind of ask them a few questions, like, how are you guys going to get there? What are you going to do? What are you going to be there? And I could, you know, it's interesting to just me reading the personalities of the people in the room. You could tell there's some interesting personalities. Some kids were very, I don't know, a little cocky about their, their newly elected position. Like they felt really puffed up about it, that they were going to be the student body, whatever. And they were this leader of the school now. And, and, and you get that with a mix of kids. And I actually told them, I said, I've, I've actually worked with a number of student body groups. I've met with a lot of them. And I promise there's lessons to this. Just, just hold with me, okay? So not just all about high school, but I said, I've, I've actually worked and talked with a lot of SBO groups, uh, student by officer groups, SBO uh, groups that have come out of this school and other schools. And I said, there's a big distinction between groups that are amazing and their school gets on fire and they have incredible school spirit and schools that don't have it at all. It's a huge distinction between the two. And I said, I've been, to, I've been to pep rallies in schools where it's just amazing and other schools where it's dead. No one shows up. And I said, and I actually told him, I said, you guys, I was at your thing. Cause my, so my sister-in-law just gave me contact. She actually goes, she's in high school right now. She's on, she's one of the student body officers. That's why I got, they asked me to come speak cause she's on the team. I said, I went to one of your guys' thing last year, a couple of them at the high school. Cause she was performing or she was there. We went to support her. And I said, it was kind of dead. I'm gonna tell you straight up. I could just, I could look at that crowd and look at, and I said, those, those student body officers, I don't think did a really great job last year. That's just me being superficial, but I could just tell there wasn't the, and they all kind of nodded their heads like, yeah, that makes sense. And if you guys ever been in a, just people listening, an organization or a team or a coach or something a part of where it's just not there. There's just no, I don't know, there's no soul of a team or there's no soul of a company. It's just people showing up, doing their job and then leaving. And how do you put a soul into that team or soul into that company or a soul into that high school? How do you do this? And so we started to talk. And I said, first thing I want to share with you guys is that there are, is actually a target on your back, all of you. 
I don't know about I don't know about other high schools, but the high this my high school we go to it's very a very sought out position to be a student body officer. When I ran, there was about seventy kids seven zero seventy kids that applied for nine spots, and all seventy of those kids did campaigns and had posters and like you know the whole election process for a school seven zero seventy kids went for nine spots, and so I told I said our team I said on average there's about seven to eight kids that are a little sad and a little upset that you took their spot and they wish they were in your shoes right now. Additionally, if you don't perform or don't live up to the duties that you have, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I'll give you a little context as well. I, I don't, Utah is a little unusual than other states is what I've come to learn. Most schools, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge promoter. I love high school in Utah because a lot of schools out of state, they, they do like for dance, they have prom and maybe homecoming. They have two dances a year. We had 11 dances. 11 school dances. We had Sadie Hawkins and homecoming. And then uh, you had the winter formal. And then you had like the sweethearts dance. Then you had a, a Halloween dance. I mean, we had 11, it was almost every month of the year you had a brand new dance. And people would ask and go on dates. And like, it was a, it was a big thing to like date and take someone to the dance. It was really cool. And I went to a school of about 2,500 kids, give or take. So was, we were one of the largest schools in the state, 2,500 kids. And it was just, it was pretty fun. We have pep rally assemblies. We had, um, we do a lot of, there's a lot of fun stuff. I'm again, I'm an advocate. If you guys want to move to Utah, Utah has incredible high schools. They're not perfect, but I think they're really good compared to other high schools. We did a full week, like spirit weeks. And we'd have assemblies that were an hour and a half assembly. The whole purpose of the assembly was just to have fun. And we would plan it. So we'd do like relay races. We'd have people like jumping over and doing breakdance battles and doing all, and we'd have all the juniors sit in one section, all the seniors sit in another section, all the sophomores and freshmen sit in different sections. And they would all like wear, you know, black and silver and red. And, and that was their colors of our school. And every group had a color and they would all dress up and come. And we had like these crazy stuff we did. It was pretty fun. We had a very coordinated, like high energy. I had actually, my year, we had um, two teachers come up and, well, I'll share that in a minute, actually. Let me get back to the kids. So um, anyways, this is a sought off position. So the first thing I told him was there's a target on your back. There's kids that want to be in your position, which by the way is true in your company. There are people in your company that wish they had your job. And in the back of their brain, they believe they could do a better job than you. So I said, the first thing you got to do is you got to work your guts out to prove to everyone else that, you know what? It was a good reason that this person was elected to that position because they're actually doing probably even a better job than I can do myself. Number one, you got to gain. That's how you gain. People are like, I got to gain respect for my people. That's how you gain respect. You do your job so well. They go, you know what? I'm actually really happy that person's my manager or my boss because they have done such a good job. They're actually doing probably better than I could do. First thing. So you got to go all out on this. Then I went into it. I said, secondly, and this is true across all organizations, especially high school kids. I said, no one cares about you guys. No one cares about your title. No one cares about what, that you're the student body president, that you're whatever. Everyone, especially high school kids are self-centered. All they care about is themselves, just the facts. They only care about themselves. And there's a big difference between student body groups and not just student body, but leaders and companies that care about themselves and the company serves them or the high school serves them and the opposite of where they serve the company or they serve the high school. I said, I've worked with a lot of SBO groups the groups that serve the school, all of a sudden little things start to happen. Incredible things start to happen. School spirit comes back. People start to show up to games and promote and do fun things. And like, and it's just incredible feeling and vibe in the high school. The opposite of all is true. If the school, if the student by officers believe the school needs to serve them, the school should promote them. The school is all, it's all about them. 
that school crumbles and there's no school spirit. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. If you're someone that wants to learn more about alternative investing, private equity, hedge funds, venture capital, we just created a brand new group on Discord that all of our Wall Street Rebels around the world are joining. It's called the Wall Street Rebel Insider Community. Go check it out down below. It's an amazing group. I go live in there. We do calls. I do all sorts of AI bots and terminal things and all sorts of cool stuff. So go check it out and get back to the show. Thanks guys. Same thing's true with companies. It's exactly the same truth. And all of a sudden, when you introduce a thing called servant leadership, when you actually, the leader of the team is the servant of the team, is the one who's actually the one that's gonna probably work the hardest of the team and work with each individual and actually serve them and help them their job and go down and be with them. All of a sudden, you have people that are loyal to you. You have people, and when you do your job better than they can do this stuff, you have respect from those people. And all of a sudden, you have a cohesive team that gets amazing stuff done. And I, I was telling people, this is the exact same, this is the truth of high school kids. And I said, specifically, I said with high school kids, again, they only care about themselves. So they, we do a lot of videos. Like at our high school, we had tons of videos. Man, you guys should, you can look them up if you want. Look up Alta High School, Bridger Pennington. You'll see videos of me in high school. We made all these different videos in different ways. And I said, our videos, guess what? No one cares if you're on the video. They only care if them, themselves, they, they, like somebody in the high school is on the video. So include dozens or hundreds of people into these videos. Sometimes S, SBO groups, they, make, they have to make school spirit videos. It's just only them. They're the only person on camera. If you can include 30 other kids, have them dress up, come. People will come, I promise. They want to be famous in high school. Everyone wants to be on the videos. Have them come, do big pool parties, do a big, whatever. We have all these videos where we had hundreds, literally hundreds of kids involved. And then what happens when you throw an assembly and people are supposed to show up and watch the video? They show up and they tell all their friends, like, dude, I'm on the video. Like, you got to watch this part because I'm there, okay? All of a sudden, you start to instill school spirit. People start showing up. You're not begging people to show up to, because one of the one of the, the student by president actually was telling me, he's like, Bridger, one of my goals is I want people to show up to some of the sports that people don't promote. Like, you know, we don't, last year, we didn't get a really good showing from girls basketball. Like a lot of students just didn't come watch girls basketball. It'd be really fun if we had 50 or 100 kids show up and cheer on the girls basketball team. And I said, that's an amazing goal. We had the same goal. It doesn't happen just because you are going to beg or pull people to the game. It happens because you've gone out and you've inserted and you served your school so well that they feel almost indebted to come and serve other kids back. They feel indebted. Like, you know what? Kids came and showed up to me when I was on the swim team or whatever, or the other team, or the football team. I feel indebted that I need to go show up and support the girls' basketball team. And also, if you can couple that with it's really fun, you do fun school chants and you have all this cool stuff, you can, all of a sudden, it's, it's not a, it's a, a benefit for them to come and show up. And I said, then, then I said, this is the third piece though. You can do all that and you'll still, your school won't be that great. And I said, I want to tell a story. And some of you guys have heard the story before, but I'll share it again. Actually, I don't, actually, I don't think you guys have heard it. I shared it one time at one of our black card summits in Utah in person. We've never posted it. So I'm going to share it here. I said, this story changed my, my life. Um, my, uh, just give you guys a little context. My older brother, incredible person. My brother was a sophomore class president, junior class president, student body president of the largest high school in Utah, okay? He had more friends than I could, I, I would, couldn't even imagine. We would have on like weekends, he'd have kids, you know, invite kids over to hang out at our house or whatever. It was insane. He had more friends than I've ever met in my entire life. And they were different friends groups. Like one week, all of the uh, football players would show up at our house. Like the whole football team was there and they're all hanging out, having fun. There was the whole football team. The next week, it was all the band kids. 
and all there, and like the choir kids would all show up and they're playing on the piano, they're singing songs, they're having fun, like totally different group. Then the next week it was like all the Jeep kids that like loved having Jeeps and like trucks and stuff. And they'd be like doing truck things at, the, at our house. And then the next week it was like the heavy metal goth kids that were all at our house. Like he had, he was friends with every single group in the school. It was insane. And actually I told these students by officers, I said, you guys need to insert yourself into every friend group. Go make friends, go be in those groups, go be a part of them. And I, and I shared this and I actually told him, I said, my brother, the reason, the way he did that, he had a goal every day. To, and I remember reading the goal on his goal sheet, meet five kids a day, remember, memorize their name and something cool about them. That's it. And then the goal, the follow-up goal was every time you see that person in the hallways or passing them, you say hi to them by name. And if you have time, you ask them about that one cool thing that they like in their life. So if I saw, if I was walking in, in the hall and I saw Joe, Joe, what's up, dude? How's soccer going, dude? Okay, good, good to see you. Like he would do that hundreds of times a day. Hey, like, you know, what's up, Jessica? Like, you know, how you doing? Or if, she had, if they had more time, like, hey, how's, how's dance company going? Or how's the drill team? Or like, how's it going? Because he'd remember that one thing about the paper. And all of a sudden, everyone has a connection to him. And all of a sudden, if he needs people to show up to a girls basketball game or be part of his team or whatever the initiative was, they were there because they did the respect. So anyways, my brother's an incredible human. Graduates high school. He then goes to uh, a university as a presidential ambassador. So he was so good at high school. They actually, high, they actually gave him a full ride scholarship to be the presidential ambassador of their university where he would go out and then kind of do the same thing, but at a university level. Full ride scholarship. He's doing amazing. About six months in, uh, he calls my dad and he's on the floor just sobbing. And, uh, he's, uh, my dad's like, what's going on? How are you doing? Okay, Bo? And, uh, my dad says, or my Bo says, he goes, I've had a migraine headache for the past three or four days. Constant. I can't get rid of it. I don't know what to do. What should I do? And so my dad drives down to the university, picks him up and takes him to the hospital. They give him an IV, they do all this stuff. And, and it kind of helps his head, but it never goes away. My brother had a constant headache. So that headache stayed with him for not a day or a week, or it stayed for a month, and then it was five months, and then it was a year. He had a constant headache in his brain. And then it turned into a two years, and then three years, four years, he had a constant headache in his brain. And, and my parents and family, we took him to every doctor we could find. We took him to um, MRI scans. We did uh, kidney things. We did blood tests. We did genetics tests. We did foot doctors, eye doctors. I mean, we did start doing, um, uh, uh, Asian medicine. Like we'd go to these like Asian doctors or like any, any doctor we went to, I think they went to 22 separate type of specialists over the course of those years. No one knew what was wrong with it. Not a single thing. There was incremental gains, little things that they thought was, you know, good or bad, but like nothing cured him. And, um, eventually to, to, you know, make a long story short, um, he ended up taking his own life. So my brother, I, I remember, I can't remember how old he was about, it was, I had just, I was, it was three days though, before my 16th birthday, June 11th, my brother took his own life and, uh, and he wasn't, we don't believe he was depressed. It wasn't out of depression. It was out of, he was in so much pain. He would be, and his head would fluctuate. It would go from, you know, kind of manageable to very migraine crazy. And he would have to be like ice pack on his head. Anyways, I go on and on. And so this happens and I'm going into my summer of my going into high school. And I was very sad to go into high school and because uh, of all the cool stuff I just talked about and this happens. And I, then I'd have my sweet 16 and we have the funeral the next day. 
and family flies in this whole thing. And, and a side note of that story, by the way, I, I remember I grew up in a family that, you know, we were told families are for t- together forever. I was a member of the church of Jesus Christ and we, we were tossed through a little like families are together forever. Like this is an eternal family. And I remember saying a prayer that night and I remember praying to God and saying like, God, is this all this true? Like, am I really going to see my brother again one day? And I actually believed in God. I was actually a pretty religious person. I still am a very religious person. And I believe in God and believe in, you know, the resurrection and all these different things. And like that I would see my brother again and be with him and families are together forever. But I didn't, at that moment, I needed to know. And I said a prayer to God and I just said, God, is this all true? Am I going to see my brother again one day? And, and uh, what does this all mean? You know, those like when you really pray, some of you guys pray, like I pray, but when you really pray, it's one of those moments. And I felt a a, a warmth, a light from heaven come to me. It was an incredible feeling. It was like it was like I had a hug from heaven, the other side. And the, the overall just incredible joy, best feeling of your entire life feeling was, yes, you're going to see your brother again one day. He lives and he's, you know, and all this is true. It absolutely changed my life, by the way. And from that moment on, I, I, it's funny, I, I stopped mourning my brother's loss. I was actually excited for him and glad and not, not glad, but I was like, okay about it. And I was comforting other people and, and felt okay about it all. And the next few months, by the way, I had incredible spiritual experiences that lined up all these amazing things. So I'm the youngest child in my family. My brother's at law school. So I'm the only one at home. And my bro- the other brother just committed suicide. About three weeks later, I'm doing, I'm at football camp. And anyways, my parents tell me they're getting divorced three weeks later. So in one month, I had this great little family. All of a sudden, my brother just killed himself and my parents are getting divorced. My other brother's in a different state at law school. And I'm kind of just alone going into high school. And um, my world kind of shattered. By the way, that was losing my, my parents getting divorced was, I mean, almost just as hard as my brother dying. I mean, it was, for people that have gone through divorce or kids that go to divorce, it is tough. At least for me, it was very hard. People just say that all the time. Oh yeah, my parents got divorced. Like, no, dude, that's a big deal. At least for me, it was a big deal. And, uh, but I felt f- just strengthened on eagle's wings to use a scriptural phrase, uh, by the, by God. Anyways, I come through, I come to, I start in high school. I actually, I was in a seminary class, which is kind of a church class outside of school that you do like an hour, a couple hours a week. So I was in this class and I showed up to this class and I'm there and I'm a brand new little sophomore. I'm just young. And I was with all these seniors and juniors in this class, pretty cool people in this class. And the teacher gets up and says, we're going to do something different today. We're going to have everyone take a piece of paper. Don't write your name on it. I want you to write down your two biggest problems or trials in your life. Write them down, two biggest. Fold them up, put them in the basket. So I was like, man, I'm gonna ace this test easy, right? <laughs> like my brother just killed himself and my parents are getting divorced. Ta-da, like I'm gonna ace this one. So I write those on my paper and I write them in. We turn them in the class. And by the way, this is a pretty, I would say pretty cool. There was a pretty incredible kids in this class. This wasn't like just some scrubs. These were kids that were on the captains of the teams or doing the big, whatever. Like these were very sharp kids in my class. And then she puts in this basket and she starts to read off the name, what was in there. And what she read absolutely changed my life. And I'll have this little preface is, I believe your, your biggest trial, your biggest challenge in your life is your biggest trial or challenge in your life. It is. And for example, like I had zits in middle school, like tons of zits on my chin and forehead. Having zits freaking sucked. It was terrible. 
Like I hated it so much. However, if I told people that, like, what's your biggest challenge? Having zits. It doesn't sound like it's like, okay, dude, get over yourself. But it was my biggest challenge at the time. It was just as hard, not just as hard, similar as hard as my brother passing away. Like it really was. It was my biggest challenge for like a year or two. But it doesn't sound very cool to say in front of a camera or on stage or whatever. Like, yeah, I had zits. It was really hard. Everyone's like, okay. But if I say my brother died, everyone goes, oh, like, that's so sad. Your biggest challenge is your biggest challenge. Okay. Now my biggest trial. So she, sorry, back to the teacher. So she starts to read these out and she reads through them and there was some one-offs, but there was two common themes amongst all these kids. The common themes were number one, I don't like my friends. I feel like I don't fit in my friend group. I don't like who my friends are. I need to get new friends or I don't, something around friends. The second one was around self-worth. I don't like myself. I don't like how I work. I, I have thoughts of hurting myself. I, I don't feel like I have any self-value or self, a lot of things around self-worth. And she kept reading them. And it was just over and over. It was the same too. And then there was a few one-offs like my dad has cancer. You know, mine she read, you know, my brother just killed himself. My parents are getting divorced. There's a couple of those. But the general theme was I don't like my friends or I don't feel like I fit in or I feel lonely. Number two was I don't like my self-worth. I don't like myself. And I remember my chin just dropping like, whoa. My two biggest, how much would I give if someone could reverse my two biggest problems? A lot like that. Like, and these are things that are out of my control. Like I can't really control that my brother killed himself and my parents. I just can't. There's nothing I can really do. However, if I walk out of this room right now and I make a friend and I make them feel good about themselves, I in a small way just solved the kids sitting next to me. They're biggest problems in their entire life. Who am I not to go and do that? There are parents that drop kids off every single day at school and say a prayer in the back of their brain, please, God, someone reach out and help my son or my daughter today. Help them feel like they don't Help them feel like they don't feel worthless. Help them feel like they're not lonely and they have friends and people to be around and people to talk to. And parents can't do it. This is what I was telling these high school kids last night. I said, parents can't do it. Aunts and uncles, grandmas, they can't do it. It literally comes from you. I'm sitting amongst probably the most popular influential kids at this high school right now. You literally are called to be everyday angels for kids walking around the school that a lot of kids wake up and they hate coming to school. They hate their friends. They hate their teachers. They hate their life. They hate everything about it. And you are the only one. If you can make a friend, which is pretty easy to do, to just talk to somebody, get their name, and you can make them feel good about themselves, compliment them, whatever it is, not on a superficial level, but a really a, a deep level. It only takes a couple minutes. It's not that hard. You guys know this. It doesn't take that long to connect with somebody just for a few minutes. You can, in a small way, solve the two biggest problems in their life. And I told him I was a sophomore. I walked out of that room. It absolutely changed my entire life. I became a brand new person. And I said, I have a duty and a responsibility to help other kids that are walking around me every single day. And by the way, I still have that mission today. The people that work for me at my employees, the events I go to, the people I talk to, 
you guys don't know this, but in the back of my brain, I am always thinking, I know people ask me about Bridger, what about my fund or whatever? In the back of my brain, I think about how are you actually doing? What are your family? How are your kids doing? How can I help you? How can I really help you? Yeah, I can help you set up your fund or build a, a business, but is that really gonna help you? And how can I solve the one or two biggest problems in your life? The funny thing is, I call it the dichotomy of the soul. <clears throat> and when we get injured, if you, actually two kids last night, one had a broken knee and one had a broken shoulder. And I said, if you're trying to fix your knee or your shoulder, what do you do? You focus on the knee or the shoulder. You go to a doctor, you get a surgery, you focus on that body part to heal it. The dichotomy of the soul is the exact opposite. The more we focus on ourselves, the more we look inward when our soul is broken, it becomes more broken. The more a depressed person thinks about their depression, they become more depressed. The more an anxious person thinks about their anxiety, they become more anxious. The dichotomy of the soul is this. If you want to heal your soul, focus on other people. You don't focus inward, you focus outward. When you focus and serve and help other people with no expectation of anything in return, when you go out and say, I'm just going to serve and love someone just because, everyone on this call that's listening to this, you know that feeling. You know that feeling when you go out and you just serve somebody just because? could be a big thing, a small thing, whatever, but just out of the, just, there was no expectation to return. You're not posting about it on social media. It's not to make a, a big a fuss about how cool you are and how much you give to charity. It's just because you did it just because you felt like it was the right thing to do. You know, that little thing that fills your soul, that's what binds your soul together. That's what fills you up. That's what solves and cures a lot of these problems that we have in our hearts and our souls is typically solved by focusing on other people. It's called the dichotomy of the soul because it's opposite of what we think. It's, we think we should focus on it. But the truth is, the more you focus on it, the, the worse it gets. When you focus on others and you give and you serve, back to the beginning to wrap this all together, servant leadership. When a leader comes out, a boss, a CEO, a student by president, a captain of a team, or even just a brand new member of the team, focuses on other people, you build an incredible team. You build an incredible school. You build an incredible company, incredible organization. When you have servant-based leadership that goes one by one and meets and goes with people and helps, and I was telling these student by officers, you guys need to insert yourselves into every single friend group in the entire school. If you really want school spirit, if you really want your school to take off, insert yourself with the band kids, the heavy metal kids, the kids that are doing uh, drug, you know, the drug kids, the kids that are playing the football or basketball, like insert yourself with every, every friend group, make friends and go one by one. And all of a sudden, when you need friends to show up to a girls basketball game to help get a hundred kids there to have a big student section to cheer on your team, people answer your call. When you're a CEO and you need people to work on a Saturday night, people answer your call and they don't even resent you. They're actually grateful for the opportunity. They're grateful for the opportunity to work hard and put their heart, might, and soul to something. That's how you build an amazing team. That's how you build an amazing company. And I'll just share this to wrap this together. I was, so I was student by president and we had, you know, an interesting year. Our, our school had been split in half our year. They opened up a brand new high school. It was big. They took a bunch of kids. And we did, we did this. We went out and we like worked our guts out. We worked the administration, the teachers do pep rallies and cool assemblies and things. We inserted ourselves in the kids. And our goal was to have, if we could get as many kids as possible from the new school to transfer back to our school, because they had the option, they could transfer back and forth. We said, we're going to make, we're going to make the kids so jealous <laughs> that they're going to transfer back to our school. 
our first quarter, we had about 300 to 400 kids transfer back because they felt how cool our school was and what we did. And I had, I had, uh, I believe three teachers. I know for two, for sure. I think it was a third came up to me in the middle of the year as a student by president. They said, Bridger, what you've done here is incredible. I've, I've been here 30 years at this school. I've never seen school spirit so high. And it's because of this process. It's a campaign. You don't just do this in a day or even a week or even a month. This takes, this takes years to do. But when you do it, it's incredible. It moves and drives organizations and people. And uh, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life was to hear that from teachers. And these teachers had no reason to come talk to me. We didn't have a relationship. These were random teachers. I'd never been in their class. Like these are just random teachers. They came up, they found me and said, Bridger, like this worked. And it was a really cool experience. And I've tried to carry that in other things. I'm not perfect at it, but I want to share this today because it's crucial for your business. If you wonder why certain businesses take off and certain businesses don't, a lot of it comes back down to this. This is what they mean by having great culture in your business, this is what they mean. I talked about this in a previous episode about building a culture is kind of expanding upon this. This is what they mean by this. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for hopping on. If you guys like this show, please send me a message or review or just send me a comment on Instagram. Send me a little DM. I'd love to read those and just or send me a review down below. I'd love to read them. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to be going live in our Discord group and building that up as well and other cool stuff. So you guys want to hop on live with me, do webinars and calls, all for, you know, just come on in. I'm not trying to sell you anything. Just, I just want you to be there and be part of us and like help us build this movement online while we're doing this. So you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next episode. Peace.